on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Designed to Awaken. In this episode, Eckhart answers questions from a live audience on such topics as eliminating depression, dealing with a heavy pain body, and why enlightenment seems to be such a rare phenomenon. Eckhart shares the story of his own pain body and how it finally pushed him into a state of presence. He says, we are designed to awaken. There is a flowering of consciousness in the universe, and we are part of that. For many years now, I've kind of been dealing off and on with certain degrees of depression, sometimes more intense, sometimes less intense, uh, actually lately a lot less intense in uh, large part due to discovering you and kind of reading your works and stuff, which has been super helpful, so thanks for that. But one aspect of this is that my ability to feel things has, has, I feel, greatly kind of diminished over time. Things that I used to be uh, excited about uh, don't excite me anymore. I don't look forward to things when I, you know, kind of hang out with my friends and things like that, which is stuff that I enjoy. The joy kind of goes away very quickly, but what doesn't go away and what I can feel is the kind of negatives in my life, the sadness and the suffering and stuff. And it, and it got to a point where I started to crave it in a certain degree because feeling those type of emotions almost kind of reminded me of my ability to feel at all and sort of reminded me of my humanness. So I guess my question is, how do you eliminate suffering when suffering in a certain way, is all that you have left. Right. What about your practice of giving attention to the present moment? Now, if you give attention to the present moment, you first you become aware of whatever it is that you feel within, and then you need to be aware within and without. That's part of the present moment. So that your attention is not completely absorbed by whatever it is that you feel, because there's also the vastness of the outside world. And so to be present means to be present within and without. This You're in both worlds. So you acknowledge whatever it is you feel inside you at this moment. Be also very vigilant to see whether there are any associated thoughts with that feeling. Are there certain thoughts that go through your head that reflect what it is that you feel? 
For example, if you feel depressed, do you have thoughts that are telling you that life is, after all, not worth living or whatever the thoughts are saying that people are people suck life sucks i suck we all suck i don't want to be here that kind of thought so you need to observe be aware on both on the as far as the inside is concerned be aware on the both on the level of the emotions and feelings and on the level of mind activity what kind of thoughts and so it requires vigilance so that you don't indulge without knowing it in unconscious thinking and you can't separate the unconscious thinking and the feelings uh, so only you can know i don't even know whether you can answer this question now because you have to find out in the moment of it happening what kind of mind activity accompanies those unpleasant feelings and to see whether this mind activity actually feeds the unpleasantness that you feel or the suffering that you feel. That's a very important thing. What role does your mind play in all this? Very important. Is your mind feeding it? Because you have a big pain body there, which is not in itself a bad thing because a pain body becomes a strong motivating force for you to awaken. Uh, I also had a very heavy pain body. That's why I had to awaken. Couldn't stand it anymore. And you at this point too. Can't stand it anymore. That's good. So be very careful so that you examine your thinking. Am I feeding the feeling? And if you are, that means there's enough awareness for you to realize it. Then you let go of the thoughts. And one way you can do it by, you remember I just mentioned, be present within and without. You can use, for example, your sense perceptions, directing attention to your sense perceptions that takes attention away from thinking. And then you experience, the next step would be, you still feel the unpleasantness, but you're also observing sensory perception around you. There's the sky, there's the flower, my hand, the hand. And you don't have to, I'm labeling it now, but you don't have to label it. It's better not to label it, just to perceive it fully. Come to your senses, look around, there's an entire world there, and your, your suffering ends here, where your skin is, the suffering that you experience is inside you, just one step next to you, there's no suffering. <laughs> Isn't that strange? So that here, the, the table isn't suffering, I'm suffering, and this, this inch on the chair here is not suffering, it's just inside my, this bag of skin, I am the suffering entity, that's me. And then if you don't know that, then you identify with that feeling, then you call and you still have the conditioned thinking that reflects the suffering and say, oh, it's all pointless, the trees are pointless, the sky is pointless, what's the point of it all? I don't see any beauty in this and this flower is going to die soon, of course. <laughs> It all, everything dies soon, so what's the point in even living? When there's a dog, he, he doesn't look that healthy. <laughs> uh, 
whatever it is, then you would be just look at the world around you through the feelings. <laughs> so to be present, you have to not label and just just look and take in auditory, visual perception, breathing. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. If you give more attention to your surroundings, especially when you're in nature, but nature is everywhere. Even if you're in the middle of Seattle, there's the sky. Well, it's usually at this time of year, it'll be gray, but that's fine too. There's sunlight filtering through the sky and you have lots of trees. Lots the, of trees. The evergreen state, Washington, as it says on your license plate. So that's good. You have that. And that takes your attention away from, you're not denying what you feel, but you're adding a dimension to it, the external dimension. And then nature has a very healing effect if you truly give attention to nature, and you're no longer fueling this, the suffering that you feel inside you. It's, of course, it doesn't go away immediately, or a miracle could happen, and it does, but usually not. It's just the beginning of it gradually dissolving or becoming transmuted. Now, looking back retrospectively, if you even know the answer to this, what kind of mind activity accompanies the suffering that you feel in your body? What are the typical thoughts that go with that? I guess it kind of depends on the situation. Obviously, you know, it comes in kind of phases, but a lot of it is just kind of generalized self-loathing, I guess. I don't know if that's the right yeah. term. But. Watch out for this, what kind of thoughts. It might even be helpful to write them down if they're repetitive thoughts. See what kind of repetitive thoughts you can catch because they can obscure your awareness so quickly, especially old thoughts that come again and again and again. They be, become a part of your fictitious identity of the self, the egoic self. So you carry with you then the, the burden of an unhappy self. I remember that, I had that too, carrying the burden of an unhappy self. And that is what motivates you to awaken. But there's already been a diminishment of your depression. Absolutely, yeah. So that's a good sign. That means presence is arising and it is gradually dissolving this pain body in you. But your work is not to renew the pain body through unconscious thinking. So you need to be really alert and watch your mind. 
so that you don't create more suffering by unconscious mind activity. And if you no longer feed the pain body, now the pain body of course also feeds through drama in relationships. It has the two ways of feeding. In your case, perhaps more through your mind, but I don't know, could be also enacting and reenacting drama, emotional drama in relationships with your a partner, family members, or whoever it may be, usually people you're close to or work with, but the closer the better. The intimate partners are the best ways for the pain body to renew itself through. <laughs> uh, so don't add to the the pain body. It wants to feed, it wants your unconsciousness, but don't give it to the pain body. You're not feeding it with your mind anymore and you're not feeding it by being drawn into insane drama in relationships. So you're watching it. There it is. It may not be pleasant, but it's not that bad. There's Your presence is infinitely more powerful. It, it doesn't even fight the pain body. It just, by shining the light of awareness on it, it gradually dissipates. Or a better way of putting it, it gets transmuted because the energy is not lost. There is enormous life energy in it, but it's trapped. It's trapped energy, so it's felt as uh, negative. When that's freed, it becomes part of presence. It is fuel for presence. The pain body is fuel for presence. That's amazing. So you have, you have plenty of fuel for presence. <laughs> that's the good news. <laughs> If the body is not experienced, does the world appear? Can you relate this to something in your experience? Sure. If you don't experience sensations or sometimes feel a hollowness, it feels like the body is not experienced always. Does it mean that this is headed where we say the world is not experienced anymore? And I want to know your particular experience right now of, of the world. In other words, how do you feel, sense, perceptions, and what's the state of your consciousness? Okay, I'll tell you, and then I'll ask you about yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to find the words to explain it. Somewhat insubstantial, the, all the things that, that happen around me, it's a little bit like a, a light show or some insubstantial I know that everything is in the process of disappearing and appearing and disappearing. So the world doesn't have that heaviness for me that it has otherwise in a normal identified consciousness. A little bit like a dream. And there's something that is untouched by it. That's the, the timeless consciousness. And from there I experience the flux of becoming, of being born, dying, forms appearing, disappearing. It's quite pleasant. Well, there were two philosophers in ancient Greece who had contradictory philosophies. Heraclitus or Heraclitus said the famous saying, you cannot step into the same river twice because everything flows. His main the statement that he's remembered by is Everything flows. In ancient Greek, panta prei means everything flows. 
So he saw how the Buddha stating of impermanence, whatever you see, is not going to last, it everything flows. That is one truth. And then the next philosopher came, Parmenides, who said, nothing ever changes. <laughs> the complete, they didn't like each other. <laughs> nothing ever changes, the, the reality is unchangeable, the reality. So they were both right. Parmenides was referring to the, the timeless realization of consciousness and nothing changes there. And Heraclitus was referring to the flux of phenomena, the world of form. And so there's a detachment from things. I participate in the world, but there is a, there is a space around it. Like a, yes, I think the dream is the, the closest that comes, but it's a lucid dream, so I'm, I'm in it, and it's, it doesn't mean that everything is, I don't see it as everything is totally illusory. There, there is something in the dream that is of the essence, and it is important that these dream figures that are sitting here should awaken out of the dream. <laughs> by realizing who they are beyond form. So that's, that's important. So I value the world in that sense. It's very hard to talk about, because one becomes so used to one's state of consciousness, I certainly don't think about it. So it's, it's very hard to verbalize. What is your relationship with the world? <laughs> so there was a time where I awakened and it appeared to be a dream, so illusory, and as you said, and uh, everything had a relative quality, except from the, the place where I was watching. So, and uh, over the course of time, there were many events that brought me back to the Goe consciousness and back out of it as well. I feel like I'm witnessing right now. And sometimes the body not disappears completely, but is not felt and is, appears again. And I believe that this means uh, that the world is probably on its way out then. Um, so what does it mean? I, that means um, I want to know in terms of sense perceptions how the, it would appear. And also whether that means I would experience everything as consciousness and probably no body. So Yes. But don't go into too much mental abstraction. Just stay with your immediate experience. And uh, I know that in the unawakened consciousness, the world has an enormous heaviness and an enormous seriousness to it. it, is, it everything is so serious and matters. Every tiny situation draws you in and it becomes so serious and you don't realize how insignificant most situations actually are. This is why I sometimes say, go to cemeteries and look at the gravestones. I love that. You look at the gravestones and you see the date of birth and the date of death, and between there's a, a dash two inches long on a big gravestone several inches long. And that's, that was the life that was lived. <laughs> all the anxieties and problems and suffering and things were so have so terrible the drama and so heavy and so important what's left now 
the dash between the date of birth and the date of death. And that, if you contemplate that, that detaches you and the world, that can bring about awareness. It's really a contemplating impermanence. As you know, in some Buddhist traditions, the monks go to the morgue where the dead bodies are kept to meditate. And that is in order to contemplate without flinching, to contemplate the fact of impermanence of all forms. And what better place to contemplate the impermanence of all forms than be surrounded by dead bodies? Now that would be in a normal state of consciousness very scary, you wouldn't want to do that. But it can be a very powerful thing. In Western civilization, death, it's a little bit changing, death is such a fundamental, primordial fact of life, is the, the short-lived nature of, of the form. It's even now, not as much as before, but even now, death is still a kind of taboo in Western civilization. So it's hard to see a dead body. If you wanted to see a dead body, unless it's a close relative or family member, it's almost impossible, it's illegal. You can't say, I'd like to see a dead body. No, you can't see a dead body. You have to travel to India if you want to see dead bodies, because it's, done, it's not a taboo there. And it can be very shocking to see that a body is being, a few hours after death, the body is being taken to the fire and burned. That teaches you more about the reality of the fact of impermanence than any scripture. <laughs> so there's, the world loses its heaviness and its absolute seriousness. The way I put it, things may still matter, they make a difference. You'd say it matters whether your body is healthy or not, or whether you live in a tent and are cold, or live in a nice place that is warm. Things are still relatively important in this world. I wouldn't say nothing is if some teachers do that. It's relatively important, but not absolutely important. You have to know the absolute, what is absolutely important, and that is knowing who you are. And then in the world of relativity, anything that you experience, you can actually still enjoy sensory experiences. You can enjoy... I know there are certain teachers in certain traditions that they despise the world. These traditions exist both in India and they also have existed for many centuries in the West, in Christianity, of, of despising the world and denying the, the world completely. This is, I believe, not helpful because you're doing something before it, there's never a despising of the world, there's, can be, there's an appreciation of the world but without mistaking it for what it is not, fully realizing the impermanence of it, and yet enjoying that also. You don't need it, but you enjoy it. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. For your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
We can talk about this for a long time, but the important thing is your state of consciousness, how you relate to everyday situations. It always comes back down to how conscious are you in everyday life? Do you still get seduced by circumstances and so on in your life that draw you out completely into reactivity? Or are you able to deal and interact with situations and people, always having in the background an awareness of these, the spaciousness, the stillness, who you are, know yourself as consciousness, or do you lose yourself in the world, which is also in your mind? This is the determining factor. So that's your practice, everyday life. Yeah, I, I think I'm not lost. I, it doesn't look like I can be lost uh, easily. I just have a couple of questions. Do you experience your body visually? I mean, do you see it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's here. <laughs> if you go deeply into the body with your attention, then you go beyond the body. Going beyond the body can easily be done by taking your attention into the body and then realizing the animating presence is far beyond the body. So you can go into the body and realizing the animating presence, the consciousness without which there would be no body, and you've already gone beyond the body. So you could use the body as a doorway, you just you walk through. So the body is not who you are, it's a misperception of who you are. It's a sens sensory misperception, and that's fine. I know that this will dissolve at some point, and I'm perfectly fine with that. The visible body is not who I am, so I'm not going to die. The body is going to dissolve, that's fine. There is no death, there's only life. And as I said before somewhere, the opposite, that life has no opposite. Death is not the opposite of life, death is the opposite of birth. Hi, Kurt. If the purpose of the universe is that form awakens and consciousness becomes aware of itself. Why is it such a rare phenomenon? Oh, yeah. okay. It almost seems like we've been designed to not awaken and ah. we've been lost in that. Okay, thank you. Well, as you say, it seems like you've been designed, not you personally, but <laughs> not to awaken, but the opposite is actually true. You've been designed to awaken in the same way that the seed that falls into the ground has been designed to become an oak tree. And whatever the little onion bulb that you put into the ground now is designed to become a beautiful flower in the spring, but not right now, because in this realm where the consciousness that underlies the world of form that expresses itself through countless temporary formations, in this realm, it evolves in time. It exists in another realm, in the timeless. In this realm, however, time applies. The universe evolved from the state of oneness into multiplicity. And even on this planet, there's an evolution of consciousness. Forms become more complex 
as consciousness moves into different life forms. And gradually, there's a flowering of consciousness in the universe. It, you are part of that. And it all happens just like the seed. It's a process in time. There's a paradox here. By the way, we need to be able to accept and live with paradoxes. Because if it's not a paradox, it's not the truth. The mind seeks the truth. This is how it is, or this, but it can't be both. Now, some physicists are beginning to realize that even there in the realm of science, is it a particle or is it a wave? Well, it depends how you look at it. So you have to live with paradox. And the paradox also applies the moment we talk about finding the timeless dimension in yourself, we awaken to that. And I sometimes say when I give a talk, we are here for the next two hours to find the timeless within ourselves. <laughs> so you can see the paradox and people say, what do you mean? Why do you need two hours to find the timeless in yourself? But you do. Not the moment of realization, of course, is timeless. But the realization of the timeless as always present in your life, that takes time. That's the awakening. It takes time to awaken, but you're like an alarm clock. You have been set, <laughs> to simplify it a little. You've been designed to go off eventually. All we know is we don't quite know at what time. <laughs> and when you go off, you realize time was never real. And you might even think, well, I didn't really need to go through all that time, but that's how it is. So here things evolve in time, and every human is a seed for that, or more than a seed already, designed to awaken. That's why we are here, to express that, to be vehicles for that. And it's happening now, beginning to happen more. In the past, it's been the privilege of very few individuals here, and there have always been some here and there. And now, many more are going through the awakening process. And for most people, it is a process. Process means you awaken and you go back. So back in time. And that's why it takes time. You, so you go back in, and then you gain something. Ah, great. No problem. Peace, aliveness, presence, deeper relating beyond form, seeing the essence of life in all life forms. And then something happens and the density comes back, the dream of form comes back and you fall, go back to sleep. So it's a bit like somebody is asleep and dreaming. Even dogs do it. I watch my dog. They, you go. <laughs> And then you're overtaken by the sleep, sleep again. Oh. <laughs> All kinds of things. I, I would be wise to know what happens in a dog's dream, but <laughs> it's probably similar to human dreams, except it consists of other concerns. <laughs> Bones and other dogs. So it's a a gradual timeless and back in time. So 
rarely does it happen there's an individual awakens all at once and then does not fall back into identification with form, with thought, and so on. It's happened, it happens occasionally, but for most it's a process. So let's in, enjoy the process. And the more you ask, why is it taking too long? That's you're, already, you're, you're focusing on time. And even the belief it needs to take long, it doesn't need to take long. It doesn't need to take time to realize who you are. That is just now, but to have it as a continuous knowing in the background of your life may take a little time. The gradual process, that is also fine. Consciousness is fine with the yes. process being so slow. Yes. Consciousness wants to experience itself as form. The universe, let's say, wants obviously to experience itself as form because that's what it's, is happening. It produces forms. It expresses itself through forms, as forms. That's the outward movement of the universe. And it's a, it's a dream. It's dreaming that, that, that dream. It loves that. And then there's the awakening is in the middle of the dream, there's a realization of the source, where it all came from and comes from. The homeward journey, home to the unmanifested, timeless one before the Big Bang. The nothingness that no physicist can understand. They don't even go there because he can't. The moment you go there, what was there before the Big Bang? Nothing. Nothing. So the whole universe came out of nothing. Yes. And of course, the greatest physicist cannot understand that. So every physicist's mind stops the moment they go to the Big Bang. They can't go any further beyond that. Their mind must stop, otherwise they go insane. <laughs> because there you, t you touch the unmanifested, the timeless, the eternal, the emptiness, the nothingness, which is also the fullness, which cannot be described with any word. That is what underlies the universe. And that's never gone away. That is still the essence of every life form, the emptiness, the formlessness that Buddhists talk about, the emptiness at the heart of all things. The form that really means the form, it doesn't mean emptiness is a misleading term probably. It, it's the, the formlessness, the spirit, but that spirit makes it into something again. That which absolutely cannot be named. The moment you name it, as the Tao Te Ching says, the moment you name it, you've lost it. That's not it. That can only be known when the mind stops and you realize that what left is the light of consciousness. Just that in which all this appears. I am that. So there's the outward journey of the universe into form, the dream of form. And then there's the awakening of suddenly who I am, because I am the universe, as you are. I speak as there's only one I, essentially. I am the universe. And then suddenly I know myself in my essence. I go home to the origin my origin, the formless life that I am. Then the universe changes, because the way in which I experience the universe, the moment I know myself as the formless, then I'm home, and at the same time, there's still the dream of form happening. 
that the dream of form changes when you are no longer totally lost in it. You can then enjoy the dream of form and even become very powerful as a co-creator of the creating process. Humans are going to learn, already they're doing it now, to create form simply by thinking certain forms into being. But you cannot be, do that fully unless you're really, you're rooted in the formless. And then the ego is no longer operating. And then the formless can use you, the form of you, to express itself through. And so a time will come when humans can create any form, external form, simply through thought. Thought is creative rather than having a destructive mind. You can just use the power of that when you're connected to the formless consciousness. It can use that through you. Of course, this irony is there's very little that, that humans will even want to create. When you're so deeply connected, you don't need much in the world of form. <laughs> so when you are able to create any form you like, you're going to just occasionally use it, but there's not that much that you need. <laughs> Formless awakening to the timeless in you. Awakening to the formless in you. That's happening now and it's accelerating on the planet. I have no idea whether the whole of humanity is going to awaken or only part of humanity or a certain percentage will awaken and then that will draw in the rest. Or humanity will split into different dimensions or species. We don't need to know all that. But we are part of a vast unfolding of cosmic proportions. And that's the more we are open to that and know that, the more quickly it happens in this world of time. So the timeless erupts into the world of time. It may eventually dissolve this entire dimension. I don't want to speculate too much. Cause in miracles, for example, seems to point to the possibility that the universe eventually will be, this dreamlike dimension will dissolve entirely. We don't need to speculate about that because it's much more simple than that. Awakening, disidentification from form, being the light that you are. What Jesus said, I am the light of the world, is, can be a very powerful pointer that you can sometimes use. Of course, it's only a thought, but it's a thought that points to an underlying reality. So it's a kind of mantra almost. I am the light of the world. So if you occasionally say it, and after that there's nothing to think, because if more thoughts come, then you're not the light of the world, you are something or somebody. I am the light of the world, the light in which this room appears, the light in which every thought appears that arises. So to know who you are, concepts need to disappear <coughs> from your mind, a concept that you apply to yourself. So you need to become comfortable with not knowing who you are conceptually. I am the light of the world doesn't really say anything. It doesn't explain to you who you are. It's a helpful pointer, no more. It's not an explanation. As an explanation, it's not very useful. But as a pointer, it's very powerful. 
I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening.